I'm your host for this evening, Beth Webb. I am incredibly excited to welcome this evening in conversation with us, the film's director for the Deloitte and its co-star, its co-writer and star, Claire Dan. Hello, welcome both. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I'll start off with a few questions. And, and as I say, please do send in questions that you would like me to relay now. I would love to start with a question for yourself, Claire. Now, I understand that this film began in a very personal place for you. And I would like you, if you could, to describe to me how this idea first came to you. Um, yeah, I was living in New York at the time. And basically, I was auditioning in pilot season. And a dear friend of mine who is a single mother with three children called me and said, oh, my God, I have to declare myself homeless. And basically, she was given very short notice to move house and there was nowhere to move to. There was a raging house crisis in a housing crisis in Dublin. And I suppose I was standing there in New York as an actor, not getting too far. (laughs) And she was this mother in Dublin, not being able to find a home for her and her kids. And I just felt a sort of anger at the injustice of loads of things as if everything felt like it was upside down wrong. And so that night I was uh, basically fantasizing on her behalf and ended up Googling about self-builds. And I was like, what if we just forgot about mortgages or waiting in queues for a house to be given to us in 10 or 15 years time when the kids are already grown? What, what if we could just put our hands on bricks and wood and a bit of land and just build them ourselves? And I Googled and came across Dominic Stevens in a Guardian article talking about a house that he designed for himself for 25000 euro at the time and it blew my mind because it was a full home that he had built in 54 days across a year with the help of friends and neighbors and I just I suddenly felt like whoa the answers are out there and there's so many solutions how come I've never come across this before and he actually has the plans online for you to download and loads of people across the planet had already built his house in their gardens or on pieces of land that they got cheap and that was it it kind of just That kind of woke me up. And then about an hour later, it was like I was about to fall asleep. And suddenly the idea came to me. It was a woman building a house for herself and in the process kind of finds a new community and transforms her life. And I thought if somebody was going to dare to do that in the middle of a Dublin housing crisis, they must be getting out of a really tough situation. And that was where the domestic violence thing came to me. It just came to me as an image that she was a fighter and a soldier and somebody that's like, getting up off the kitchen floor to go again every day and that probably came about because of the work I did with Philida and we had been working for a few years at that point in theatre so I was just highly aware of the problem of domestic violence at the time because we were doing a lot of workshops aren't we with like prisoners and students and different things and we realised this was a really deep-rooted problem in society that had a huge knock-on effect to the rest of the world and the rest of society, including like drugs and crime and prison sentences and untold uh, emotional damage to people for years and PTSD, etc. So that's kind of where it came from. So the next day I bought a notebook and began the <laughs> that kind of journey. Yeah, of course. And you, you researched it thoroughly. You had the idea as well. But it was for the day who suggested or, you know, presented this idea that you were to star in it as well. And, and for the day, I wondered why you asked Claire to be in this film. Well, I, I don't think that Claire 
necessarily wrote it thinking she wasn't in the film, but I think she felt, I mean, she can talk more about this, but that to get it made, it might be necessary for her to play maybe a smaller role in it. And I at first also thought maybe I shouldn't direct it because I wondered whether it needed somebody with more of a an understanding of the sort of detail of the housing crisis and, and the Dublin landscape. But I guess two things, I began to wonder whether being an outsider might, an, an outsider who was, you know, very much aware there was a similar housing crisis in London as there was in New York, where we we were both working as well, and began to think maybe... I, by listening to Claire and and putting myself in the right environment, I could create that. I could meet the, the, the sort of Dublin world of it. But crucially, I felt it would be insane if Claire didn't play the lead. We'd been working together for several years in the theatre. I knew she was a, an astonishing, unique talent um, who hadn't had had hardly had any exposure on screen, and I just felt like. I'm possessed with, you know, I was passionate about the screenplay, but I also felt passionate about somehow getting her out there in front of a, an audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And what, what, a, <laughs> and what a powerhouse performance that was as well. We've got some questions through already, which is fantastic. We'll start with a simple one. How did you decide on the title herself? This is from David. Thanks, David. Well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> really funny because it was called owned actually originally and but they were it was always just a thing that it was like i think we have to change the title i think we have to change the title and then myself and you and chelsea and element and rory the producer we were out for dinner and how did it happen it was kind of just chelsea it just yeah. fell out of her mouth she just kind of went herself and everybody was like oh that could work actually. <laughs> I mean, the problem with, the problem with owned was that everybody in America, when you said, you know, what's what's the your next movie, and you went owned, and people didn't really know what you were saying. They couldn't really hear or see the words in front of them. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was interesting that those of us outside Ireland, who kind of really heard the use of herself, meaning you know, the boss, um, the wife the one in charge, the pun of that, and then it was about somebody finding themselves. I, I felt immediately Chelsea, who worked at Element, said it, and she was American. I thought, my God, that's it. But the Ameri- the, the Irish mm. Claire and Sharon Morgan were both kind of really found it quite difficult. At yeah, time. just at first it was like... Autis herself, like the way we say it. <laughs> and I've already, you know, I've squared it with myself that that's my, um, that's probably my nickname until I die now. So, you know. <laughs> oh, superb. It is a very cinematic film, which I think is wonderful. Like it's bright and it's, uh, it kind of eschews any feeling of a real kind of like a real kind of kitchen sink drama, which I, I suppose is what we associate when we think about films of domestic violence, certainly in the past anyway. And I wondered what, yeah, what, what your kind of reasoning was behind that, Philida. I think that one of the things about the screenplay was that it was full of light and dark. And I think that, again, Claire can talk more about this, but that she wasn't just 
writing, speaking to, you know, those of us who feel safe in our homes and should be perhaps contributing more to the kind of the, the, the civic space and putting more into community and lobbying for more social housing. She was actually wanting to give a message of hope and that the screenplay also operated a little bit like a thriller. The question was, will Sandra get away from her past? Will she transcend it? So you had these very dark moments where she came close to Gary, but then you felt these climbs into her sense of self and her achievement and the community building around her. So she herself was on this kind of up and up and up and you wanted to take the audience with you and then of course you felt that reversal of action that was in the screenplay where she came crashing down when Gary kind of encroached on her so it was very much the kind of the music that of the the script that that I read. Mm, absolutely. I wanted to, well, we have a question about the script from Andrea, who asks, how does the co-writing process work? Like, how does that collaboration work and how did it work for this film? I suppose, well, I, I obviously was writing it myself for years and then Malcolm came on board in the final year and really it was a kind of, it was a funny process because it was probably the most <laughs> unusual and unique process because basically Phyllida is an amazing dramaturg. She was really protective of the script. And at the time I was just working very hard as a theatre actress and BBC asked us to consider having a more experienced writer come on board, which at first is very scary, but apparently it's the norm. And I was like, whatever gets it made, you know what I mean? Mm. But we were really lucky with Malcolm because Malcolm and Phyllida kind of did a load of structural work on it for a while and would ring me and ask me about certain things and almost like run things by me and then go oh would you write a new thing for this or a new thing for that so there was a thing where the weight was taken off me because for so long I'd basically been researching for so long about how you build a house and how you make a film that it was like I think I was just like struggling to carry it all by myself so that was great but then also Malcolm took on, he rang me and asked me, could he ring, read the very first iterations I ever wrote before anyone got their hands on it and developed it. Um, and when I was a naive kind of starting out writer. And uh, that was incredible because he actually sewed back in some details and maybe some, I suppose, initial subconscious things that were actually important to the story and weave them in somehow with an incredible, I don't know, deftness. It was just like beautiful. So the first ever new screenplay I, I read was sort of like one that I had sent in material to, but never actually finished off myself, then was sent to me and it was like, whoa, okay. It was like this lifted thing and it was, it was kind of amazing. Um, and then we kind of worked together in tit for tat and polished and then I got it for the last few weeks before shooting. But it was, so it was a process and a journey. And I think there's an element of like, I think a lot of screenwriters should know that script editors and dramaturgs or your director, if you're not directing it yourself, they are all co-writing with you. And it's for a reason. It's because we all have to stand up in a space and make the bloody thing <laughs> eventually. And you're bound by locations and things like that as well. And there are people that might be more experienced than you as well that can help you get what you need for a lot less work so it was that was kind of our process really but it was lovely that like in the end it was kind of handed back to me just for the last few weeks just because they were kind of like we know you basically 
held this thing inside of you for about four and a half years on your own. So take it and just polish it and off we go. Um, One of the yeah. things he, he really helped with was I think that during the development process, Claire had felt sort of not compelled to, but the suggestions from people about how other characters would be developed and, you know, the backstory of this one, that one, the other one. And Malcolm came along and sort of pointed out to us that we were actually making a film about Sandra mm. and reminding Claire almost of what she was entitled to, which was to be the centre of this and everything else was peripheral. And so in some way, I think he gave us the confidence to follow her and not, you know, everything else fell away Mm. Mm. with regards to I mean as you say you had this this script with you had the story with you for four and a half years and you researched it rigorously in terms of house burning but also in terms of domestic violence you worked up together Uh, I understand you went to a, a refuge at one stage as well with a really remarkable woman I mean, there's there's a lot of knowledge out there already around domestic violence, but but what was something that really struck you during that time, spending that time with those women? I think for me, actually, it was realising that they were really great crack, fun, sorry, that's an Irish word, but as in, they were like amazingly strong, charismatic, it was like, they were like soldiers and it was a feather in their cap kind of thing. It was kind of like, yeah, I, I went through this hell for so many years or I did this, I did that. But it was that thing of it didn't define them. In fact, it helped them become this like really strong and clear spirit. And they, they had a generosity about them as well that I think can only come from things like that where you've maybe had to engage on a journey where you did have to suffer a bit, but find the light again and transform yourself and become the next version of yourself. And I just, I always came away just realizing how they were not victims. Like they were just not victims. And that when they were telling me about their stories, I remember, I really remember specifically because actually the injury of Sandra's hand was inspired particularly by one woman's story. And I remember her telling me the story of that injury and and how she told it and it was literally like listening to a guy coming back from a war front going and then it was like this and then it was like this and then he was on top of me and it was like you know and it was sort of like a thriller it was like a story of battle on a war front it was them fighting for their lives in the middle of it thinking ahead strategizing while this is happening to them incredibly smart people and also thinking of the children, where are they going to go? Who are they going to run to? It's like, these are not victims. These are people that are literally surviving every day and strategizing how to do it. And they sometimes don't have an option but to stay there for a while. And I also I also really learned that like the moment they decide to leave is the most dangerous. And they know that instinctively. And that's why it takes so long to figure out how and when to make your move. That's what I learned. I was like, just, they're not victims. And they do get the other, a lot of people do get to the other side of it and have a, an incredible life after that. There's a lot to carry into a performance. And then you've also got 
the additional physicality you've got the building you've got the structure you've got the vim that comes with that as well where you balance vulnerability with this real drive and this coincides there's a, a question that's been sent in which is how did you prepare for this role which is a simple question but it really is such a complex role I'd, I'd love to know more about your process I suppose because I wrote her that helped <laughs> that I definitely <laughs> knew <laughs> I would actually say that I basically rooted it in the children. I realized that they were her petrol, like everything was for them in the beginning and the love of them. And I think that's what helped me push through or understand her center point. But it was difficult. It was physically draining and everything. But for me, it was like just thinking of all the people I met along the way that had been a Sandra or had worked with somebody like Sandra. And I felt like I just need to honor that. And then every time Claire, the actress, is having a poor me moment and uh, needing a hot bath and a sleep instead of getting up to do another day's film and just remind herself of uh, those parents get up every morning for those kids like every day. Like I had a new admiration of single parents. I just thought, wow. And so really it was just doing it for everyone that I met. And that sounds a bit like, I don't know, probably sounds a bit worthy but it genuinely was something that fed this role and fed uh, the writing. But any time I play a role anyway, separate from this, I always meet real people who have been that. And I do find that that feeds my energy, that feeds me as, as an actor. That's how I kind of get in at it. So I'd say it was kind of that really. <laughs> Just that and hot baths <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> you just soak the muscles <laughs> um i wanted to come back to the children who are just extraordinary in this film uh, and we have an audience question how did you get such good performances out of these these young bright young actors well louise kiley who cast the film uh, was incredible at, at getting us to meet a, a huge range of kids and Claire came in and worked with them. We workshopped kind of quite extensively to try to find ones who were able to listen in the way that they did, you know, because it's very hard when you're doing take after take to really listen as if you've never heard the thing before, but they were both great listeners. Molly McGann was experienced Ruby Rose was not, but they were like, they were the most extraordinary spirits right at the centre of the film. And in a way, they defined the whole sort of vibe of the unit. They knew you couldn't patronise them because they knew exactly what they were part of. Their parents had prepared them brilliantly. And they knew it was a very grave subject, but they also knew it was play, it was make-believe. And... Yeah, they're, they're, they're extraordinary, extraordinary children who are very, very excited that the movie is finally going to open. <laughs> I was going to say, so the film has had a, I mean, it's had a short life before lockdown. It's now, you know, at the start of a new life. I was wondering what sort of comments or feedback you've had from people, especially perhaps those who have been affected by issues in the film. Have people reached out to you both, for example, and, and kind of let their thoughts known? I mean, we were both, you know, when it, it went to Amazon Prime in the States, at first we were having seen it at Sundance with a huge audience and heard what, you know, amazing happens in America when people feel something, they make a sound. 
sound. And so to be in an audience that was gasping and laughing and crying was just really overwhelming. So when we heard that they felt it was necessary to put it on a streaming platform, of course you have as filmmaker, actress, you know, oh, okay, don't, you know, there are bigger things at stake here. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that actually, you know, the responses to it online, people who have received it in their homes during this period when we know there are millions of people across the globe who are at risk of domestic violence because of the sort of impunity with which people can abuse behind closed doors, to sort of read the comments online has been absolutely amazing. And to hear the number of people, not just victims of domestic violence, but people working in the field who've commented on how Claire's description of the impact on children of the aftermath of this and the visits to the abusive partner, etc., are so accurate that the film might be used as a learning tool um, for people working in, in this field. And I think that's been really, really moving, that it's sort of both, of course, it's, you know, it's a work of fiction, we hope it's a work of art, but ultimately it does serve other purposes as well, I think. We've got a, an audience question that ties in quite nicely with, they ask, would you say this film gives inspiration to those in similar situations? Well, I suppose we kind of hope it does. I mean, w- without like hopefully being too painful to watch, I hope I hope it does inspire some some sort of like, yeah, message of just like hope or just the thing of like, you can make the first step. It's not like you're not just imagining this is happening. If you're really identifying with this and this is happening to you, I think on some level it might validate the reality of it because if you're in a situation like this, you're very gaslit and you don't really have your own neural pathways strong enough to make decisions for yourself you're in a very vulnerable place and your only operating thing is like to to work around the person that is um kind of controlling you so if you see something like this and it makes you realize that and at least give you clarity the main thing i hope is that somebody takes from it's like i could just ring that helpline i just saw a leaflet about that or a sticker on the back of a door about it or just even reach out to somebody that you think you could in the neighborhood without anyone knowing and doing it safely. I I think that's, I'm not, you know, I'm not under any, you know, I don't know, aspirations of like, oh, it could change someone's life and they'll completely transform and then go build a house. Not, not as big as that, but like, I do feel like films can just give you a message. Like, like any film, like loads of films did for me as I grew up and helped me out at different points. Yeah, I do just hope it gives that message, just to reach out to somebody that is some sort of a lighthouse out there for them and reach for that lighthouse and go go towards it. That's the main thing. I really like that, that idea of a lighthouse. It's very, very nice. Yeah. It's so it's a film it's a film about domestic violence, it's a film about hope. It's also a film about community and people helping each other, which is something that I really, really it felt very especially at a time of isolation, that felt like a really significant thing to watch. And I'd like to ask you both what this film says about community for you. If I start with you, um, Philida. 
I mean, during the last 20 months, I just feel we've all, we're all asking ourselves, am I a good neighbour? Was I ever a good neighbour? Might I need my neighbour to save my life now? You know, who am I in a community? I mean, we've been, we've had community taken away from us and yet we need it badly. And now we're stepping out into a kind of different world. So I feel it's, it's not its meaning has been changed, but it's, I hope its meaning has been sort of brightened and intensified by what we've all been through. And that the word mehel, which lies at the center of it, is sort mm. of, it's asking us just to, give a little bit more for nothing to to the those around us i think do you want both of us to answer that i, can't I mean if you had any of your thoughts it, it was a beautiful uh, mm. it was a beautiful answer so we can we can press on because we've had a great audience question and i can't in good faith let this q a go by without asking about the music which was so integral to this and also light and fun and empowering at times as well so who was behind choosing the music what was the process and I imagine in in terms of some of the pop music that had to be kind of earned and negotiated what was that process like as well I mean Claire had written Sia into the screenplay as somebody who you know the kids and Sandra were they were all they were they were loving that that track originally we actually we started sort of temping maybe a much more the Perhaps a score that you might anticipate being underscoring an hour, a Celtic film about this subject, um, s- sort of Celtic and, and maybe mournful and, and ominous. And then I think there was a day when I remembered a, a, an earlier draft of, of the screenplay where Claire had written in that Sandra... Sandra had an iPod and had tracks in her head when she was cleaning and tracks that kind of perhaps blocked out everything else and just decided to do away with the music that that somehow would insulate the whole film and give it a kind of continual same kind of atmosphere and just go look at what she might be listening to or what might be around her. And then Claire and I started listening and talking and, you know, there was months of playing crazy stuff, a lot of very indie stuff. And then finding some some big hitters that happened, we felt were on the building site. You know, it was just a gradually evolving gig for us in a way. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. That's it. (laughs) We were lucky to get who we so it's great to use lots of um, stuff that would actually be on the radio in Dublin and have local artists and stuff in it. That became really like an obvious choice. And I was like, oh, yeah, we should do that because that's what would be on. So it was just using the locality of where they were, the radio that's on and then taking it from there. But then also having beautiful composition as well. Yeah. So it was kind of a mix in the end. <laughs> Fantastic. Another audience question. Hayley has asked um, if you could please say your favourite scene from the film. Oh, oh God. That's really hard. <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> I think actually, <laughs> sorry, I'm just trying to. <laughs> That's very hard now. <laughs> I would say, like, Actually, one of my favourites is just the montage of building. I just think it's like <laughs> such a boss. 
And I still remember being on set when we were doing our lift in the barn, raising the barn moment. And I remember then just going, this would be so good for somebody like Sandra. <laughs> like, it just made me think, like, yeah, like, you know, and the kids are there. And, but then probably also, oh, what else is good? There's so many good ones. I'm also a massive Tina Keller fan. So I just loved that day that I got to be in bed while she spoke. And I just got to witness her <laughs> doing it. It was great. I think some of the scenes with, with Sandra and the kids, um, yeah. maybe the scene on the beach where they're listening to her describe about the house. And I, I think those are some of the... That, that St. Bridget, come on. Ruby Rose's St. Bridget story, Brilliant crack. I loved that. <laughs> All the ones where I get to lie down, if you notice, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I lie down and somebody else acts great that's me <laughs> that's amazing along those lines well Gemma has asked how did you decide on how the film would end oh yeah we kind of came to that together really didn't we you know because you can go through the versions where it's almost a bit cheesy and everyone's there at the end and they're already halfway through building the next house you know or or maybe it's a few months later and they're all just going for a walk and their mates or something. Like I did so many different versions. But in the end, I said to, I was going to express to Phil at one point, I was like, I think it has to be about the will to keep going and that it's about her and her girls and a decision to go forward, isn't it really? Mm. And, and I don't know, I guess I didn't, I didn't want it to be too cheesy, a little bit more about what really gets you through life those moments when everything's quite stark but you have this spark of hope or spark of something moving forward and that little spark becomes something bigger obviously I just felt that that it had to be about her and her girls again just mm. starting again mm. and absolutely I think that was it really, wasn't it? definitely I mean we've seen that end where suddenly Peggy picks up a spade and come and starts digging and then all the neighbours we just really didn't want to do that yeah We've had a question I haven't thought of actually from uh, Gina who's asked, is there a story behind the code word Black Widow? Yeah, I actually, it was, so it would have been 2014 when I started writing it in 2015. Like for about two years, I was just working it on my own. And I have uh, nieces that at the time would have been around these kids' age. And I, I used to just ask them questions because that was like a form of research <laughs> and I asked my little niece I was like so what do you like what you know I basically asked her do you have any female superheroes or anyone that you just love and she was like Black Widow straight away so I stuck it in the script and at first nobody really got it or knew what it meant as the code word but I fought to keep it and now it's ironic that Black Widow's out in the cinema it was it was a real sign to me that people were not aware of like female superheroes as much as the male at the time like I really feel like it's happened since 2014-15 like it's it, things have kind of shifted forward which is great and um, so that's where it came from my little niece Lucy <laughs> yeah that's wonderful so each film that you work on each film that you direct or star in it, it means something to you in a body of work but also as a personal experience and I guess now that you've had a little bit of time perhaps more than intended between making the film and now coming out and promoting it what is your relationship like with your film today if I start with you Philida well I'd wanted to do a low budget film for a long time I'd wanted to 
make the work I was doing in the theatre just sort of seamlessly live alongside work on screen. And finally, I got to do it with friends who I love very much, who I admire so much. And so I feel and, you know, wanted very much Claire's writing and acting talent to be seen on the screen. And I feel it's an important issue. I feel really proud of it. Just hope that it speaks to people and that they are able to come back, you know, mm -hmm. to the movie theatres to see it. Amazing. Yeah. And, and yourself, Claire, like, how's, how's your relationship? I mean, yours has been slightly more extensive, but yeah. Yeah. I, basically, when I, even when I finished shooting, even before I ever saw an edit, I felt like my soul was resting. Like that's, it was like, I did it. As in, for me, it was like, I could probably die happy now because I've acted in a film, but I also wrote it. And since I was a younger, like since I was a kid, I not only was just like absolutely in love with going to the cinema and theatre and loved stories and all that kind of thing. I actually also just loved what they could do. Because like I still remember a moment in time when I was in a cinema with my granny and my, my dad when the Magdalene sisters came out. And there was this magical moment um, at the end of the film, like nobody in the cinema spoke and everybody stood up silently and walked out as if it was like we're holding a moment silence for all those women and children that suffered for so long. And it was like this move forward in consciousness happened in the country just from that film. And I'm not saying this was like that, but what I'm saying is, is like I dared to actually just try and go and make a film. And I'd made it about something that I care about and hope other people get something from it. So for me, it's like, it has so much meaning, even though it's like, it had a bit of a delayed release that doesn't bother me at all. I just feel like, I definitely feel like I've done something that I can rest easy now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I <laughs> honestly, that's, that's honestly how I felt about it because there was something magical about even starting that journey and, not knowing even how to begin and being so naive in the beginning to actually have done it is is the main thing and and the journey of it i'm just immensely grateful for it and yeah just glad i got there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've spoken about this this idea of moving forward, and I know that this is, you know, as you say, you've, you've put your soul to rest here. But how are you going to use this experience moving forward in in your careers? How are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> I think we're going to try and. Well, I'm going to try and make more low budget films, you know, yeah. in this spirit. Um, mm. Definitely, that's yeah. my mission. And I'd love to just, yeah, try and write more stories that have like as much meaning. Well, maybe not as much as this one. <laughs> but like, <laughs> just, like, keep writing and keep acting. And I'm, I'm even going to try and do a little bit of directing to see if I can work in that way. That's the main thing. Yeah. And tell, just tell stories that you actually go, oh, yeah, I, I actually like this. <laughs> and I think it's something fairly positive even when looking at dark stuff like that's my main thing 
Oh, superb. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to see where you both go from here. I'm excited that people are going to be able to go out and see this on a big screen. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to our audience for sending in such wonderful questions, insightful questions. Please do tell people about this film. There is a website, uh, herself.film, which will tell you where you can go and watch this. These two wonderful women will be doing other Q&As and events around the release. So please do keep an eye out and tell other people uh, to go and watch this film. And uh, yeah, thank you so much to you both. Yes, it's it's been wonderful, a really wonderful experience. So thank you both for speaking with us this evening. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks a million. Thanks a lot.